Everything is new. Everything. This is the birth of the church. The wind swirls, a hurricane blows, the stale air is forced out, the dust disappears in an instant. The air is fresh, the light is all around, the Holy Spirit enters our lives and we become a new creation. It turns us around, turns our lives upside down, blows away the stale and the old. Christ enters our lives and we are made new we are made whole this is the birth of the church we are gathered here in this place in this time to be something new to refresh the old to reboot the past to be the church God created us to be to be the new creation this is the Pentecost God is here Christ is here the spirit is here and we are part of it we are the new creation amen you can cheer loud for that that's <laughs> 50 days, 50 days, that's seven weeks plus one day. We have been walking through the biblical narrative from the moment Jesus rose on Easter morning. We've been walking each week kind of right along the timeline of the Bible and showing everything that happened in those 50 days. In the first 40 days, we saw where Jesus appeared over and over and over to not only his disciples and the people closest to him, but over over 500 people, Jesus appeared saying, I'm real, my body's real, I'm fully new, I'm fully spiritually new. He showed that he had risen from the dead. And on the 40th day, in each one of those encounters with Jesus, we shared how those encounters still impact us today. But on the 40th day, on the 40th day, we stood at the hillside where Jesus was risen. He just rose to heaven right in front of his disciples. But before he left, he said, hang tight, for I'm sending you someone better, even better than me. And he's referring to the Holy Spirit. On the 40th day, we, we sat there and we shared why the ascension was so important to us. And then Jesus went up. And then 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came on the 50th day. In this time, the last three weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Why is it so important? Jesus sent him. Who is he? And how does that impact us? And on that 10th day, the 50th day, the Holy Spirit came and was poured out. The day was Pentecost. Today, today, May 23rd, is exactly 50 days since we celebrated Easter and the, rising, the risen Jesus. So today we are celebrating Pentecost too. Before we jump in, I wanna welcome everybody. We're glad you're all here. I can actually see your faces. <laughs> Cheer, that's kind of a big deal. And, and I could tell you were singing a little louder. For those of you who are online, for our soldiers that are deployed, the people that can't be here today, we're glad you're with us too. Today we're, we're all family, but it is good to hear a little louder voice in the way we sing. It's good to have everybody with us here today. To our guests, my name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. This worship guide that Emma, our worship leader, shared with you earlier, it's got all this cool stuff, but it's got these sermon notes on the back. This is gonna be the outline of what we're talking about in the day of Pentecost. You can go and look this stuff up. You can double check it. 
you can study it during a week, um, but that's pretty exciting. And to our guests, I do want to reiterate, this Connect card is, I call it liquid paper gold, because when you fill it out and put an email address or something on there, I can reach out to you on Monday and make sure that your visit here, if there's any questions you have about the church or us, but it's the only way to connect with you. So please fill that out. You can drop that off in the boxes when you leave, or you can drop it off in our welcome center, which is out these doors. And there's going to be a big surprise outside those doors, but I'm going to wait to share what that is for a little while. So let's talk about Pentecost. Pentecost, Pentecost. Why is this such a big deal? So let's look at our first sermon note together. Pentecost was a Jewish holy day of harvest. So to really look at what first Pentecost is, we have to go all the way back to the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, when it's a, it's a festival in, declared inside the Israelite Jewish law of a celebration. So Pentecost originally is known by the name Feast of Weeks. That's actually its original name is Feast of Weeks. So I want you to kind of hang with me on all this information. I'm going to try to outline it, and we're all going to hang in this together. So the Feast of Weeks described in Leviticus 23, it started, it was a feast of weeks, which it means just what it said. It was a feast of seven weeks where they celebrated harvest. It started at the festival of first fruits, which ironically is the same time as Passover. So the Jewish people would celebrate this in the spring, Passover. Right start of Passover, it started with a festival of first fruits. That means their spring crops were coming in. The spring wheat harvest was beginning. They would take their first fruits and offer it to God as thanks that God provided. So, and seven weeks later, they would finish the celebration at Feast of Weeks, or what we call Pentecost today. Seven weeks is how long it normally took to harvest. Not only the spring wheat, the early barley, things like that, but for seven weeks, they would celebrate the harvest, and it would end on the 50th day from Passover. You still hanging with me? In the New Testament, which is written in Greek, the Feast of Weeks was called Pentecost, which is a Greek word. Pentecost means literally 50. 50 days since Passover. 50 days that they've been celebrating. It's actually the morrow, the day after, seven weeks, 49 days Pentecost is celebrated on there. So the word changed in the New Testament. They call it Pentecost because they speak Greek and it has a little bit more meaning. Is everybody still hanging with me? It's also a pilgrim festival. So three times a year of all the Jewish law and all the celebrations, three times men of a certain, Jewish men of a certain age would actually pilgrimage, would actually go to Jerusalem to the temple to offer offerings and sacrifice to celebrate. Those three pilgrim festivals are Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Three times, Jewish men of a certain age representing their family would go, sacrifice, forgiveness of sins, offer to God, and they would bring with them the first fruits from their harvest. So why is all this important for us? Instead of maybe giving us just a boring, like, trip through Jewish law and old festivals that maybe don't mean as much today. Why is Pentecost so important to us? Well, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2. The book of Acts is in the New Testament. I'm going to be reading through the New Living Translation. You'll see it up overhead. The book of Acts is just past the four Gospels. Now, let me set the stage of what's going on in chapter 2. There are 120 believers of Jesus who have gathered in a house 
50 days after Jesus rose on Easter morning. 120 believers, ladies and gentlemen, of all the three years of Jesus' ministry and all the thousands that came to him, there are 120 left, including the apostles, and they're all gathered together 50 days after Jesus rose from the grave. In the town of Jerusalem, they're in a house in the town of Jerusalem, and then, of course, it's happening during the Feast of Weeks. So, there's Jewish men from all over who have come back to Jerusalem that day. So, Jerusalem, which is normally about the size of Manhattan in this time, about 50,000, is probably swelled to 200, 300,000 people. So, while they're meeting in this house, the town is going nuts. It's like country stampede in Manhattan, or used to be. Sorry, probably poor comparison. It's been 50 days since the festival of first fruits. So the harvest is wrapping up. 50 days since Jesus rose from the grave on Passover. And it's been 10 days since Jesus ascended to heaven and told his disciples to wait right here in Jerusalem for this gift to come. It's Pentecost. Right here next to is Pentecost. And let me tell you, Pentecost is never gonna be the same again after this day. So let's jump in here. Acts chapter two, starting in verse one. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together, all 120 in one place, and suddenly there was a sound, a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled over all 120 of them. And everyone present in that house was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation right there in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the 120 believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these people are from Galilee. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. So we look here at Acts chapter two. We got the 120, the remnant. They're all hanging out in the house and it doesn't necessarily say a wind but it says definitely a sound that was in a crazy windstorm fills that house. And then their best description of what happened then was these tongues of flame, what looked like fire, coming down on all 120 of them. And everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. All 120. Not only was this house filled with this noise, the entire city of Jerusalem was filled with this noise. Everyone who heard it 
And the city of Jerusalem came running. Remember, Feast of Weeks is going on. This place is crazy. And everybody comes running towards the source of this sound, which is this house. And it says there's Jewish people from every nation that are there celebrating. Every nation. I can't remember the reference. I meant to go look it up. 30 to 40 different nations represented in this group. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, those disciples were speaking and all these people, all these Jewish people that came back for this pilgrimage who speak all these different languages were hearing what they were saying in their own language. The power of the Holy Spirit made this audible and understandable to everybody. And they're all standing there. This is not your normal Feast of Weeks week. They're going, what can this mean? They're all freaked out. This is huge. What does this mean? Well, let's share what this means. Your second note. Why is Pentecost so important to us? Why is Pentecost so important to a church 2,000 years later? First, it is at Pentecost that the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. The Holy Spirit is poured out in a church. It's poured out on every believer in the church. We are looking at, in Acts chapter two, in these very first verses, we are looking at the birth of the Christian church. Right here. Thank you for the birthday wishes, but it doesn't, it's nice being around the sun 50 sometimes, but this birthday is so much more important. Hundred and twenty people are the Christian church and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Second thing, not only is the Holy Spirit poured out in the church, the second thing the church is birthed to change the world. The mission of Jesus, who left ten days earlier and went up into heaven, is now handed to the church. Now, every time that I hear somebody say the church is not that important, I can find Jesus and God somewhere else. I don't get that. Because everywhere throughout, when we see the birth of the church, it is important of who we are together. I don't know what's happening in people's individual church experience, but you cannot experience God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus like you can in the church because of what the body of Christ does for each other. And I want to remind all of us, when Jesus comes back, he is coming back for his church, his bride, doesn't mean he's not coming back for individuals, but I just want to share that whenever you have somebody push back that the church is not important, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, it's critically important. Amen. We are the body of Christ together. Only together are we the body of Christ. Amen. So Jesus says, here's my mission. It is now passed on to the church. What is that mission? Let me go back to share the very words of Jesus in his very first sermon in his hometown where he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That was Jesus' mission. And it's now ours. For the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. 
He has anointed us to bring the good news. He has anointed us to proclaim that the captives will be released, that will reach the poor. The poor is anybody who doesn't know the good news. The blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and ladies and gentlemen, the favor of the Lord is right now, in this time. We carry that mission. The Spirit of the Lord is now upon us. Third thing, why is Pentecost so important? Not only the Holy Spirit poured out in a church, not only the church's birth to change the world, but that the church's mission expands multiculturally. We need to really understand why they spent so much time in the scripture in Acts 2 writing about all these countries that everybody came from for the mission of our church is multicultural. There is no class distinction. There is no ethnic distinction. There is no gender distinction. When I use the word diverse, it's exactly what Jesus is saying here. They go through in verse nine and explain all these different nations that were gathered there and they all could hear the good news in, in their own tongue. Why was that so important to show that all these nations were here to hear the day the church is birthed? Why is multicultural so important? To know that you have to go all the way back to Genesis, the very first book of the Bible in chapter 17 where Abraham fell down on the ground and God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. And Abraham went to the land that's now Israel. And through Abraham, the nation of Israel rose up who now carried the mission of God. And the land of Israel had the mission of God to show the whole world who God was through this special nation. And now at Pentecost, the land of nation, the land of Israel is now handing this mission off to the church we now carry the very promise that Abraham was given that all nations God will draw to him and they spend a lot of time explaining in verse 9 all the different nations that were there we are to cross every cross every boundary socioeconomics ethnics gender intergenerational everybody's important to God through us So now we understand why Pentecost is so important, but I don't think we fully explain what does this mean. When they ask this question, what does this mean? What is going on here? We still got a ways to go. Let's go to our third sermon note. Pentecost is a promise kept. It's really important to understand this. Not only is Pentecost this festival and all these things, it's a promise kept. Peter now stands up. He's been in the house, one of the closest people to Jesus. He stands up and walks out the doors of this house. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not a few people that have gathered from the city of Jerusalem. There are thousands of people that have gathered here. And Peter, bold and full of the Spirit, stands up in front of them. People are saying, what's going on? What's this noise? What is happening? And some are saying, ah, these guys are just drunk. So Peter says, we're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. He's got that sundial wristwatch, right? It's only nine in the morning. We're not drunk. He says, let me explain. He asks, what does this mean? Peter says, let me explain what you are seeing and hearing. We pick this up in verse 16. No, we're not drunk. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, now he's reading from Joel. He's sharing from Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. 
your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day that Jesus comes back. That the Lord arrives, there will be signs you can't miss. But, but Peter says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter's just getting warmed up. This is cool. Peter says, they're right, what's going on? Peter says, let me go back to the book of Joel. These are all Jewish people that have gathered. They know their Old Testament. They know the law, and so he's up there, and he says, let me share from the book of Joel. This is God's promise. Hundreds of years ago that this day would happen. He says, in the last days, from the moment Jesus rose from the grave, we have been in the last days. We are in the last days today. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. God's promise that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Ladies and gentlemen, your sons and daughters will receive this spirit. Your little sons and daughters will receive this spirit. They will prophesy, which means that they will understand God's word and they'll be able to share it with others in truth. I've seen six-year-olds share God's word with truth that hit moms and dads in the heart. The spirit is not limited. Your young men will see visions that they will only understand because of me, the Holy Spirit says. Your old men will dream fantastic dreams about what's happening. Your servants, there is no class distinction here. The lowest people will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Men and women, do not miss this point. Men and women will be filled with the Holy Spirit to do exactly what the Holy Spirit gives them the power to do. Everyone who believes will receive this gift. And right before Jesus comes back, there will be signs that you cannot miss. And he gives a bunch of different signs, but he finishes here, and he says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everybody who believes in Jesus will be saved. Pentecost is not only does he read from Joel and, and declare God's made this promise, but we go back to Luke 24, 49, and Jesus made this very same promise. Jesus, right before he goes to the cross, he tells his closest 12, he says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, so Jesus says, I promise. Stay here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you from power from above, power from heaven, and it's happening right now. Jesus made this promise. And in case any of us are keeping track from the book of Genesis on, God has still fulfilled every promise. He's never failed one. In baseball, he'd be 0.00 ERA as a pitcher, never miss. This is why we trust God. Thousands of years, every promise is still true. The promise of the Holy Spirit God's spirit is poured out in everyone there. It's fulfilled from the book of Joel and Jesus' promise on Pentecost Day. But Peter is not done. Peter's just getting warmed up. 
Peter says, not only is this a promise of God and promise through Christ the Holy Spirit, he says, but there's another promise being fulfilled here. And so now Peter starts quoting from another Old Testament book, Psalm 16, 16. Starting in Acts 2, verse 25, Peter starts sharing all, this is Peter's best sermon ever that we believe. He's knocking it out of the park because of the power of the Holy Spirit in him. And this is what he shares. He goes and shares Psalm 16 with him. It says this, but King David said this about the Lord. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. Why? Why is he so happy? Why is his body so full of hope? Next sentence. For you will not leave my soul among the dead. or allow your holy one to rot in the grave. He is quoting Psalm 16 that says, God, you will not let my body die and go down in the grave and stay there, nor will you let your holy one, Jesus, rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence, which is the Holy Spirit. Why this is so big with the thousands of people that are standing outside this building, this house, and listening to them is because they did not know or have the assurance of what happens when their bodies die. He is sharing the promise of God that one day I'll send a Savior who will be nailed to a cross to pay the penalty for yours and my sin so that death is not a final answer for us because death is the curse of our sin. They are hearing for the very first time that there is something true called the resurrection. And I have hope that I will live for eternity. And it starts with God not letting his beloved son rot in the grave. And that promise is now given to us. Are you seeing how big this is? This is what we call the good news. And so what should we do about this good news? See, Peter's still not done. What should we do about this good news that he's sharing, that we won't rot in the grave? What does that mean for us? So Peter goes on, starting in verse 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter has an answer. He replies, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the same gift of the Holy Spirit that we have. This promise is to you, your children, and to those far away all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So what, do we mean? what does this mean? He told them. What do we do? He told them. It's to turn away from our sinful lives. That's what repentance is. It means I'm going to quit doing this garbage I'm doing in my life. I'm going to turn and move towards God. That's what repentance is. Turn towards God, believe in Jesus and what he did 
and you are saved. Not only are you saved, you will receive the very same gift of fire and breath that we've received in the Holy Spirit. Peter wasn't done. He kept preaching for quite a while because he was full of Christ, full of Scripture, and full of Spirit. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Pentecost. Let's look at our fourth sermon note together. How does this apply to us? Well, we are the church ignited with good news. Everything that happens here is available to us. Today is 50 days past Easter when we celebrate the, ri the risen Jesus. Today is Pentecost. Today we are celebrating that that same Holy Spirit is poured out on every one of us who believe in Jesus. The same fire of God, whenever you see fire of God and his power, the same fire of God is in us. The day you believed you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you, have, you may not be tapped into that power, but you have it. If you just let it have you. Not only are we celebrating that the Holy Spirit is poured out on us here, but we're still ignited with the good news. The good news still pertains, and it's good news for everybody who does not know Jesus, and you carry, and I carry that good news in us. And today we're celebrating the promises of God and Jesus are still spot on. And the promise that you and I will not rot in the grave and we will rise like our risen Savior through the same power of the Holy Spirit which raised him. You should have incredible hope today that you can't shut up about the good news. Ah, by the time we get to the end of chapter two, I would say the definition of Pentecost just got really expanded. Let's look at our last sermon note together. Pentecost is a harvest and a birthday celebration. We see Pentecost in all the ways that God moves. He just makes things bigger. And on this Pentecost Sunday, we see how big Pentecost is now. It is a harvest. We're still celebrating the harvest. Maybe our spring wheat is just coming up, but we still celebrate all the time how God provides for us and takes care of us. But the harvest definition just got expanded. And let me share with you the one verse that's probably one of the most important ones out of Acts 2 that I haven't shared with you just yet. Acts 2, verse 41. After Peter was done with the greatest sermon ever, outside of any sermon done by Jesus, this happened. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. 3,000 were added to the 120. If you're keeping up an addition, that's 3,120 in one day are now the Christian church with the Spirit poured out on all of them. We are not only celebrating the harvest of how God provides, but the harvest of souls. We're celebrating the church bringing to life people who now have hope for eternity 
people that make a decision to follow Jesus. Can you imagine a church in one day from 120 going to 3,120? Can you imagine? Now, we might get that, but do you know how long it takes to baptize 3,000 people? Let me give you an example. One day, when I was in northern Kenya with our missionary family up there, and a church was spreading, and the Holy Spirit was filled, we went to this church on a little hill amongst the Samburu people, and we were excited because 30 people were going to be baptized that day. 30 people. We've had 15, 20 up here on the stage at one time. I haven't been around 30 people. Now, what was interesting about the Samburu people is we're way up in the highlands, very dry, very arid, no pools of water. They don't know what it's like to go underwater. And so I couldn't understand why the elders had gathered around. There's three elders baptizing every person. Because you haven't been underwater, you had to hold them down like cats. Because once their head got underwater, they freaked out because they couldn't. But there was such joy as not only 30, but ladies and gentlemen, 69 people were baptized that day. I got to be there representing our church and watch this. Do you know how long it took to baptize 69 people? It took like a whole afternoon, especially when they're like, you can't get them underwater, and they're all shooting back up, and everybody laughed, but there was so much joy. That whole church, the spirit, just took over the whole church. I don't know what 3,000's like. What I do know is this. It's just three weeks, four weeks ago, we baptized seven by the end of that day five more people stepped up because of the Holy Spirit moved in their lives and said I want to be baptized we'll probably see them in, in July what I know is my sermons aren't going to baptize people but I know your lives will and I can sit up here and make altar calls and, and tell people to change and come to Christ but if they aren't coming here because you're here I'm just like beating my head against the wall when you share the good news with your neighbors, your coworkers, and so forth, and they come into community, and they sit here, and they hear God's word, and the Holy Spirit comes alive in him, you will be watching them go into the water, and ladies and gentlemen, there's no greater joy than to know the Holy Spirit work to each one of you in giving somebody eternal life. And we need that in our church. Everybody with that flame of fire on them sharing the good news. And we will see a lot of people's lives changed and we won't do it because, we won't celebrate because of anything we did but everything the Holy Spirit did through us. Not only are we celebrating the harvest here at Pentecost, we're celebrating first fruits. Remember when I said that the, the weeks, the, festival, or the feast of weeks started with the feast or the festival of first fruits? The festival of first fruits was on Passover. That's when Jesus died and rose from the grave. He was our first fruits of that we beat death. And now we see this church, 120 people, the first fruits of the church. Do you see the connection? We're celebrating first fruits and we're celebrating today that not only is this known as the harvest, but this is known as the birthday of the church. Today is our birthday in the power of the Holy Spirit. Us is one. When you walk out of here today, you know how serious we take our birthday? Is you'll notice two tables when you walk out of here today full of cupcakes because we're celebrating our birthday 
as a family. But I'm completely cool if you take that cupcake and give it to somebody who doesn't know Jesus and invite them into the family. But we're celebrating today our birthday, which is so much bigger than mine. We're celebrating the harvest. We're celebrating the birth. So please grab a cupcake on the way out. So I want to wrap up. Pentecost was a really big deal as everybody came back to Jerusalem on that day because it was a time of offering. That's what the big part about Pentecost was, was that everybody came back to give to God because he's so good to us. So I want you to consider three things as we go into offering here together. Offering is a time that we worship God through the risen Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think of three ways to give. When they came to the festival, they gave their first fruits of their harvest. They also left their fields, corners of their fields, unharvested for all the poor and everybody else. They took care of community. Give God today your first fruits. Trust Him that He will always provide. Whatever that gift is, trust Him. And we will turn around as a body of Christ together and use that for the harvest. I guarantee you, it'll get used for the kingdom work. Second offering today is that maybe some of us are sitting outside this celebration because we've never, never accepted Jesus yet as our Lord and Savior. Maybe your offering today is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. That today I'm going to follow Jesus. And if you're making that decision today because you're tired of being outside the celebration, you're tired of wondering what happens to my body while it's in the grave, today you don't have to worry anymore. Two ways you can do that. You can write your information on this card and say, I want to join the celebration. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be part of the community of Christ. You can drop in the box or you can come right up here after the service and we'll talk with you because everybody has walked this on their, on their own journey with somebody else's help. You do not have to walk out of here today wondering what happens to your body when you die. Third thing, as an offering, is give our best effort. Not only give our, our best first fruits, not only give our decision of our life, but give our best effort that today I'm gonna go out and share the good news with somebody. I want us all to think about when we go into this offering prayer, who is a person that's closest to me who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior and pray that the Holy Spirit will give you the power this week to plant the first seeds because he does all the work. Amen. To plant the first seeds that I will share the good news because I can't shut up about it because there's fire in me. That's our offering today. You ready to pray for this? Let's bow our heads together. Worship team, would you come join me? Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody in this room, everybody that's online with us right now of one of these three things or all three things. Father, I pray first that we all are, are trusting in you, the God of promise, that you'll never fail in a promise. And so we give you our first fruits, whatever that is. We give out of joy and we give generously because we know the mission of this church is so huge. And we're not giving to something outside of us, we're giving to the body, which is a worship of you. And Father, you are reaching all nations through this church as we just prayed for all of our missionaries and all of our people and even the people here from around the world that are right here 
So Father, we pray first for the offering that's fragrant. It's beautiful. Everything that we give here today that just makes you smile, Lord, and blesses you. Second thing, Father, I pray for anybody in this room that they do not leave this room without making a commitment to follow Jesus, to not live in fear, to be lost, to be unsatisfied, to be scared. Whether they're online or in this room today, Father, that they take that first step forward and say, would you walk with me? And we will. And what a glorious day to see another person baptized. And Father, the third thing is that we pray for is our church is that when we go out with cupcakes in our hand that we can't shut up about Jesus. And Father, I'm asking right now, I'm gonna take one, one second to give everybody a chance to think of that one person who they need to talk to this week and share the good news with, not the bad news, the good news that God loves them, sent his son to die for them, and they won't rot in the grave. And he wants them with him for eternity. Let's take a minute and bring that one person to mind. It's so important. Father, that is our offering today through your son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, light this church on fire today to make a difference in the world. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Would you give me one big amen? Amen. amen.